0: Kristen, it's an Oscar-packed weekend. Ugh,
1: can you believe how many
0: Oscar-nominated directors, stars are in this week's movies? And you, and and not not quite in the way that you would think. No, no. Jeff Jeff Bridges playing a, uh, a, a witch hunter in the Seventh Son. He's an Oscar-winning actor.
1: Julianne Moore, who's been nominated more than once and is nominated again this year in the same movie, Seventh Son, playing an evil witch,
0: playing an evil queen witch, exactly. Uh, Then we got Mr. Turner, which is the uh, big art house hit. Timothy Spall playing the painter J.M.W. Turner, nominated for Best Cinematography, Dick Pope.
1: But that's like a real legit one, unlike Eddie Redmayne, who is nominated (laughs) for The Theory of Everything for playing Stephen Hawking. But
0: this week, and is probably going to win.
1: Yes, as well he should. But this week he is in a movie where he's playing an outer space uh, royal family mm-hmm, that's person right. hunting down a cleaning lady in on, the latest uh,
0: in the latest Wachowski movie, uh, Jupiter Ascending. Yes, that's yes. right.
1: Plus, we have an Oscar-winning short film director, Luke Matheny, who you and I interviewed before. That's right. He has a feature film out now, starring Chevy Chase and <laughs> <laughs> speaking of Oscars and, and Matt LeBlanc.
0: Ah, yes. Well, there you go. So
1: Oh, and don't forget about SpongeBob.
0: Yeah, SpongeBob. I, I don't think there are any, any big Oscar connections in SpongeBob. Antonio Banderas is in SpongeBob, but, you know, he's never been nominated for an Oscar. No, no, he hasn't. Well, so regardless, uh, although these are not what you might initially call Oscar-worthy films... A lot of Oscar people in them. Yeah, Let's see if any of these can rise to the occasion, rise to the level of their talent. We'll talk about all those in a minute. But first, let's introduce ourselves. I'm Rafer Guzman, movie critic for Newsday. And I'm Kristen Meinzer, culture
1: producer for The Takeaway. And this is Movie Date. Start off talking about Seventh Son. Now, boy, is this star pack! We have Julianne Moore in this. We have Jeff Bridges in this. We have a newcomer named Ben Barnes in this. Yeah, who, new British actor. Yeah, who you like quite a bit. You yes. like that Ben Barnes? And in this movie, Ben Barnes is playing the Seventh Son of a Seventh Son in some sort of far-off time that looks kind of like a Renaissance festival. Yeah,
0: kind of medievalish Renaissancey.
1: Yeah, there are peasants. There are people who are more well-off. There are people going to market wearing. You know, burlap outfits yep, yep. and there are wenches and Lace so up on. Lace-up shirts and yeah, all that. All, all, all that stuff. So Ben Barnes gets recruited as the newest uh, apprentice of this guy who they call him a spook. That's what his profession is. He fights witches. He fights evil spirits. He fights demons. And the spook is played by Jeff Bridges. And the main spook they are trying to fight right now is played by Julianne Moore, a witch who – Jeff Bridges thought that he put into the ground and hid away forever, but oh, no, she's not going to stay in the ground. She's back. She's back, and she's trouble. Here's a clip.
0: Show me what you are. I paid good money for you. I think your father deceived me of your world. Are you not the seventh son of a seventh son?
1: You ought to be seven times as strong as a normal man.
0: Now, you mentioned uh, a lot about the wardrobe in this film did did that did that somehow bother you please you what
1: well from the get-go i kind of got that xena feeling Mm. but i think xena is better i'm just gonna say it right up front here whoa xena is better than this movie because this movie it's it's a lot of the stuff that i don't like on top of xena there's bad cgi Mm. there are a lot of Moments of just dude bonding, dude fest stuff that's just not well executed. And frankly, I wanted to just take aside these actors and ask them, what are you doing in this movie? How did you <laughs> how did you get sold the script? Jeff Bridges, Julianne Moore, what, were you like in a poker game and you lost that night? You went wow. You ended in this movie. Yeah, I just thought it was crazy that they were even in this movie in the first place.
0: I think that I can see why Julianne Moore did this. Movie because um, you know it gives her a chance to kind of go all Angelina Jolie. It gives her a chance to do Sexy her and kind dangerous. of yeah right. I mean Meryl Streep just did it. Angelina Jolie you know she did it into Into the Woods. Uh, Meryl uh, Angelina Jolie did it in Maleficent. Um, you know every oh uh, what's her face uh, Charlize Theron in, oh yes uh, right in no, no, I'm forgetting the movie
1: yes versus sure. the Snow White movie the, the thank Huntsman you. the
0: Huntsman thank you yes
1: oh and and then Julia Roberts also did it in the other Snow oh, White oh in movie.
0: A, in a, uh, Mirror Mirror yeah that's yeah. right okay so
1: you know why not Julianne Moore it, why shouldn't a- she She'd do it sometime between the age of 40 and 65. You should play a very sexy witch,
0: yeah. You get to put on the feather boa, uh, sort of evil Las Vegas showgirl outfit, oh, yeah. And you Push
1: those boobs up into that tight yeah. dress, yeah.
0: Swan around like Joan Crawford, mm-hmm. and yeah. I mean, what why not? Fun, right? So, okay, uh, Jeff Bridges. You know he 's essentially just playing the same drunk guy he always he's playing he 's playing <laughs> jeff bridges again he 's playing he 's playing drunk Zen surfer dude only with a what lace up blouse right <laughs> and he 's got that admittedly not very convincing quasi british accent that sounds like he 's got a mouthful of cud so that 's <laughs> not that 's not super compelling I agree, but I have to say. I was kind of I was drawn in to the movie and I was able to go with it I think because the cast is so good Ben Barnes I think is pretty good as the um as the apprentice Tom Ward he's got like he seems smart and curious and capable. He's got a spine. He's not just the sort of dumb, doe-eyed, you know, naive kid type. He's got a little something to him, and I liked Alicia Vikander as. Um, uh, she's the love interest. She's the love kind interest. Kind a witch, yeah. sort of maybe good, maybe not so, so you good. You got a little Romeo and Juliet there, yeah. right? He's the witch hunter. She's a witch. Ha ha. So I, I kind of like that. It's no great shakes. This movie. It's not what you'd call. Uh, original or fresh in any way. I doubt it's going to become the franchise that it wants to, but I thought it was like kind of passable. I was okay with it. I thought it was a perfectly okay date.
1: Mm. I just couldn't get into it, Rafer. Like I said, I just kept on thinking I'd rather be watching Xena.
0: I think if you had also, by the way, a kid, probably a boy, who's somewhere in the 10 to 13, maybe 14 range, you might get a rise out of him with this movie. He might appreciate all the, the there's the the action scenes are pretty rugged and you know, the looking. There is are things like looking. swords
1: and stuff. Yeah. So yeah. you know,
0: I think if you were a young boy you might you might kind of you might this might spark you to life a little bit. Um,
1: I'm not a young boy. You
0: know, <laughs> that you are not, Kristen. That you are not. <laughs> All right, let's turn our attention quickly to Mr. Turner. We're finally getting around to Mr. Turner. It's expanding. Listeners, it may be coming to a theater near you at this point. Um, Been around for a while. A lot of praise for Timothy Spall, the... Yeah, the New York
1: Film Critics Circle, yes, which you are a part of. You guys voted him Best Actor of the Year, didn't Best you? Best
0: Actor, we did indeed. Um, and, you know, he's gotten a lot of attention. The film's got a lot of attention. It's a Mike Lee film, not his usual uh, working-class drama. Um, this is about the painter, J.M.W. Turner, uh, seven, late 1700s through the 1800s romantic landscape painter. Um Kind of an odd figure. You know, we always use the term romantic. Not exactly what you'd call a romantic, this guy, actually. Uh, Bit of a pig. uh, You know, treats his maid pretty poorly in the way that... Gentlemen treated their maids back then. Mm. Um, How uh, you're
1: making me want to see it? <laughs> oh well,
0: hey, come on, and uh, and and you know so. And he was uh, also known at the time uh, as kind of an eccentric uh, and kind of volatile figure. Um, the reason I think we all know J. M. W. Turner now is because he is, in hindsight, these kind of wild paintings that uh, he got a lot of criticism and a lot of uh, mockery for. Um, were actually seen as forerunners to impressionism and even abstract art. Though at the time, I think people couldn't really quite recognize it or see what he was doing. Anyway, Timothy Spall plays uh, J M W Turner. Here's a clip.
1: Oh my goodness me! Oh, Mr. Turner, I am quite overwhelmed.
0: Do as you wish. View as
1: you wish. Oh my, these are breathtaking, are they not? sketch for the painting. Oh. Commissioned by the king. Is that
0: so? Two years in the making. We didn't like it.
1: Did he not? No. Too good for him. <laughs> so is this movie just about a painter is painting?
0: Here's the here are the here's the pro and the con of this movie. It's the same thing. Um, I think what's great about the movie is that it doesn't try to be your standard biopic. It doesn't try to. Um, give you uh, one single villain for him to uh, fight against. It doesn't doesn't try to represent him as the, you know, genius who was almost like a visitor from the future and society just couldn't understand his, you know, what he was trying to do. And it doesn't picture him as a man who's just wildly ahead of his time. It pictures him as a guy who simply had a method to his madness, had a lot of Interesting ideas that he was brave enough to follow at a time when he would be made fun of uh, by others, and yet he's also a man thoroughly of his time. He's a member of the Royal Academy. He's very chummy with all these people. He's well-to-do. He's got money, Um, you know, and he enjoys uh, the—membership has its privileges at the Royal Academy, let's say, (laughs) and he enjoys all that. Um, And so it's almost what I love about this movie, first of all, is this amazing and very weird performance from Timothy Spall, which is a lot of fun to watch and may may put some people off um, because the character is so kind of grotesque, but kind of endearing. Um, It's a tricky balancing act. Mm. And Timothy Spall pulls it off. But what I like about the movie is it's it's almost less of a biography of a man and more almost a biography of the time. You really, really... Mm. It's so beautifully detailed. It's so real, so vivid that you feel like you're really in this time and you can kind of see what it would be like to be a guy who had some odd ideas. Do you know what I mean? Not not like, oh my God, I'm Warhol in 1800. Just like, I'm a guy who had some odd ideas, but I'm going to stick with them. And it's really interesting. And I like the way that it doesn't try to oversimplify it. The con of that is you're talking about a a two-and-a-half-hour film in which not a great deal of drama happens. And so it takes some patience, but I think it's rewarding. I think it's a great date. I think it's a fantastic film.
1: Mm, I'm going to have to go see Mr.
0: Turner then, it sounds like. You should check it out. Set those two-and-a-half hours aside, Kristen. I know it's (laughs) it's a heavy lift.
1: I have a much shorter film to talk about. It's not even it doesn't clock in even at quite an hour and a half. Oh. It's called Love Sick. Now, this is the new movie from Luke Mathaney who we mentioned earlier. You and I've interviewed him. He won an Oscar a couple of years ago for best live action short for a film called God of Love. Right. A little black and white movie about Cupid's arrows being used to make somebody love you who maybe doesn't love you. That's and right. And maybe using those arrows in the wrong way. And it's an adorable, yeah. wonderful little short film. Really cute, really sweet. I highly really recommend sweet. seeing that. This is another movie that is about love and about maybe love not working out the way you expect it to. And there's a little bit of magical realism to it. And the main star of this film is Matt LeBlanc, who played Joey yes. on friends. And Ali Larder plays his love interest. He is um, falling in love and kind of going insane. And apparently this always happens to him. When he falls in love, he actually just becomes psychotically nuts. And so normally he just dates people that he cannot fall in love with, like horrible, reprehensible racist people or <laughs> okay petty, just shallow women. But he just cannot help it. With Allie Larder, yes, she's stunningly gorgeous. But oh, she also just loves children. Oh, she's a great dancer. She's just a really enamored with her. He's like, oh, no, I'm falling in love with this person, and he's acting crazy. Here's a clip. What a small world. <laughs> what are you doing here? What are you doing here? Oh, my God, Charlie. Are you crazy?
0: Yes, Molly. Yes, I am.
1: Surprising me like this? I mean, I'm, I'm speechless. I can't believe you came all this way to surprise me.
0: Surprise! <laughs> Now, Kristen, I'm just going to say, can that premise be sustained for 90 minutes? <laughs> it's not even quite
1: 90 minutes. Okay. But, you know, the premise, you can tell that Luke Methane is a short film guy. Okay. When you're watching this. That being said, uh, this, I think, works if you're watching it on VOD. Okay. I feel that it would be a great little made for television movie, ABC Family. Uh, I should also point out that Chevy Chase is in this movie. I thought you mentioned Chevy Chase yeah, earlier. Chevy Chase is uh, a friend and a neighbor, and uh, but I I do think it's adorable. It's cute. This isn't something that's gonna. Be winning Luke Matheny any more Oscars I okay, have to say all right. it's, not, it's not that kind of movie but it's sweet it's a nice meditation on love on what craziness is what other people might think is nuts while other people might find endearing and how maybe somebody's crazy over here is somebody else's normal so okay. I, I would say Love Sick. it's not something that you're going to remember forever you're not going to give it awards but it is a good date okay yeah I'll a buy sweet that. little date a sweet little date
0: all right Okay, we're really pinging back and forth here thematically in this podcast, but now, now we're gonna go to SpongeBob.
1: Next year's best animated feature Oscar
0: winner, the SpongeBob movie: colon, "Sponge Out of Water." Um, <laughs> now, it's, everyone, I'm sure by now knows SpongeBob been around for more than a decade now, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and um, this is, uh, you know, he's a little, he's a little invertebrate, invertebrate sponge, right? Sort of. And he wears trousers and a tie. Little, yeah, little trousers and a tie. He's he's square like a kitchen sponge, which I never quite understood. But uh, he lives in the little town of uh, underwater town of Bikini Bottom, mm-hmm. and where Mr. Krabs uh, runs the uh, uh, little local fast food joint, he sells Krabby Patties. Uh, Plankton, the mean, mean old Mr. Plankton, tries to steal the Krabby Patty recipe. It disappears somehow, and then Spongebob has to go get the Krabby Patty recipe back. This will involve time travel. This will involve an intelligent dolphin. This will involve all— Breaking and
1: entering robots. Exactly. All
0: all all kinds of of strange things. Here's a clip.
1: The Krabby Patty is what ties us all together. Without it, there will be a complete breakdown of social order. A war of all against all. Dark times are ahead. Dark times indeed. Seriously? Aren't you overreacting a bit?
0: Now, Kristen, are you a fan of SpongeBob?
1: You know, I remember when SpongeBob first came on the scene, I just thought, what a hilarious premise. Look at him in his square pants. Look (laughs) at how cute that is. Look at the way he talks with his plankton enemy, and look at the way he talks with all the other underwater creatures. But I also, even back then, thought, this is kind of a dude fest, and I like it in small doses. This is something I'm not going to fall in love with and want to watch for hours upon hours. And as luck would have it this last week, you might recall there were a lot of subway delays in New York. There were major transit issues. A lot of things were shut down by ice and snow in New York. And that meant that I saw less than a half hour of the SpongeBob movie this week, unfortunately, because... Did you see the first half, the last half? What did you see? I was smack dab in the middle. Okay. <laughs> and I just, yeah, the horrible transit. And in a way, I'm like, do the gods really just want me to keep watching SpongeBob as a TV show in half-hour chunks rather than in, in in much larger doses?
0: Well, I mean, what you've basically got here with SpongeBob is... Uh, a 90-minute bonus version of a half-an-hour episode. Um, Really, it's just a litany of jokes, and there's no real storyline that you would call a storyline. This is not Toy Story. This is not a Pixar film. This is not a Disney film. It's really just sort of one of these lunatic, manic, freewheeling, free-associative... You know SpongeBob episodes. I and the, say
1: something wacky. Yeah, I right a lot of you what, say something wacky. Non
0: sequiturs, craziness, some meta humor, pop culture references. Antonio Banderas shows up, and there's half of the not half of the film. Most of the film is animated. Some of it's live action. Yeah.
1: Antonio Banderas is a pirate that's live action. Yes, there's also different kinds of animation. There's this dolphin guy who's kind yes. of like, yeah, there are a few. And different... there's computer
0: animation yes, at exactly. the end is whether then, then you've got a, then you've got a, a hybrid, you've got computer animation superimposed Hand-drawn on, and, on, yeah. you know, uh, live action. Um, I guess, you know, I, I'm with you, Kristen, I find SpongeBob a little cynical and a little mercenary in its humor. I find that the characters are really just vehicles for, for, for snark. And mm-hmm. I don't really ever get a feeling I don't I never get that warm, fuzzy feeling like you do with, you know, I don't know. With Up. Yeah, well, with or Up or with like frozen. with, I don't know, Peanuts or, or Calvin and Hobbes or, or Toy Story or any of those things where you where you have a certain emotional connection, an emotional pull toward those characters. I don't get that with SpongeBob. Everything just seems like a big mockery. Like I said,
1: it's kind of a dude fest. It is it's kind like, of a, I'm a yeah. clown. You're a clown. And my, hey, ki- my
0: kids just – they just crack up. They <laughs> crack up at SpongeBob. So uh, my wife will be taking them to that at some point, not me because I've seen it. So I guess all I can say about it is you know if you're a, if you're a SpongeBob <laughs> fan, you're a kid, you'll probably like it. If you're an adult, I don't know if there's enough – humor in there to really keep you satisfied. There's a, there's a, you know, you'll get a little Simpsons-y line here and there. You'll get a little pop culture throwaway here and there that might, that might give you a smile. I think this is for the kids. And I think the kids, as, as always, they're so easily pleased. It's a, it's a kid <laughs> day. It's
1: a flickering light. And it's yes. only 90
0: minutes long. So what the heck?
1: Yeah. And I, and I will say, because I only saw a half hour of it, less than a half hour of it, I don't think I needed to see any more than half an hour I think, of it. I think that's and, probably and true. And that's the kind of date
0: it was for me. <laughs> all right. Kristen, take us into Jupiter Ascending.
1: Now, I feel that anything I say about this is going to sound like I'm just making up nonsense because none of it sounds like it makes sense and it sounds like this is all a joke. But I'm going to give a description of what this movie is about. And it is not a joke. Okay. This is for real. We have... a. Uh, Poor, downtrodden, barely scraping by, immigrant house cleaner, played by Mila Kunis. She lives with her relatives who are also downtrodden and poor, working class, Russian immigrants. And one day she realizes, while donating eggs so that her cousin can profit off of her eggs Mm -hmm. and she'll make enough off of it to buy a telescope, Mm -hmm. some uh, people who turn out to not be people... uh, Aliens from outer space try to kill her. Another alien who is kind of a hybrid alien wolf Mm -hmm. whose wings have been clipped with electric shoes that make him fly, played by Channing Tatum, rescues her, brings her to another galaxy where she then finds out that, these people who had been trying to kill her, these aliens, are actually all fighting over planet Earth. And there's one tyrant in particular in this sibling trio who are heirs to all of the galaxy, fighting over planet Earth and over her. And she is, in fact, a reincarnated queen. That's and right. We know that because bees don't sting her. And I'm with you. Um, this is just some of it. There's, more, there's a lot more to the story than this, but... Here's a clip.
0: I said it was in my genes, uh, defect of my genome engineering.
1: Mm-hmm. Could explain a lot of things about me, like the fact that I have an uncanny ability to fall for men that don't fall for me. Maybe I have defective engineering too. D- did I get most of the plot points? <laughs> I think
0: right you got. I actually mind. think you got all that right. I
1: think it's got... so ridiculous that even saying it out loud, I'm like, I, "Am I getting it all?" It's crazy. Eddie Redmayne, by the way, plays one of the.
0: He's the tire ty- He's the space tyrant. Yeah. And... In a, in a, he, he play. He's got a. He's got a, a, a sort of a, a neck length giant metal choker and a kind of. Uh, and he whispers all his he wh- lines. He whispers, he whispers his lines. He he whispers are very hoarse. Them. There's a. There. He really is. He's really doing kind of a. I don't know what is he what is he doing? He's doing kind of a Betty Davis, really. He's got Remember there's a scene where he's on his throne and he he actually sits down, props one elbow on the armrest and and puts his fingers up like he's holding an imaginary cigarette. Do you remember? <laughs> and he sits there and I kind of thought, "Wow, he's really doing that. He's really doing that thing with he's doing he's doing that little Shakespearean evil queen/king slash king thing with his hand. He's going for it, man. He's not kidding. He's not no kidding joke. at all. No joke. Uh, lucky for him, this came out after I think most of the Oscar voting has been done. It's still open, still open the Oscar voting. But uh, he's uh, up for the Oscar for Theory of Everything, which he will certainly get. But uh, this could have sunk his chances, oh, I think, if it had come goodness. out. A little Eddie
1: Redman, <laughs> count your blessings that this did not come out last year. Count your blessings.
0: I, I have to say at the screening that I was in, um, people uh, began laughing at this film almost within minutes.
1: Oh, yeah. Likewise I with mean, the screening I was at. The screening I was at, there there were actually moments where I started to think maybe this will make it a success. Maybe people will go because they want to laugh at how ridiculous this is because there really was in the first 15 minutes – like howling out loud howl, laughter,
0: howling, howling laughter. Um, I think, uh, and and I'll, there were jokes. I think that that sort of that kind of that made me howl, sort of an hour or so after I walked out of the theater, <laughs> and I would sit there and think about something, and I would just I would just go ah, <laughs> and and my fa really, my favorite thing is that is that this film's, what you know, what's what I think screenwriters would call the inciting incident, the the this little plot point. Is that Mila Kunis is trying to sell her eggs so she can buy a telescope. And I just kind of feel like, what in God's name are you talking about? That sounds like a Steve Martin short story. I'm gonna sell my eggs so I can buy a telescope. I just I I just thought that's actually that's actually you actually wrote that in your script. That's that's her that's her motivation. That's her character's motivation. Yes.
1: And I don't understand either because she's supposedly the smartest woman in her family.
0: Uh-huh well her whole family her whole her whole family they all appear to be to be played by yakov smirnov her <laughs> whole her whole family is just like a collection of russian like jokes horrible
1: stereotypes of really oh god it's it's really bad.
0: It's aston- It's astonishing, and and again, and again, the idea that Channing Tatum is playing um, a, a, a half wolf, space alien whose wings have been clipped. I just kind of thought, you know, you got to decide on one. Of, is the is he is yeah, he Lucifer? They... Is he the Wolfman? Is he a space alien? When we is see he Kurt Russell is... and Soldier, what is he?
1: When we see where his wings have been clipped, then I thought, did I miss something? I thought right. he was a half wolf, half alien. Did, did he fall I don't from the know grace of God? Well, I wasn't that looking. Has
0: wings? Right. It makes no sense. Oh, and then also, and of course, also he's uh, he's got his old pal Stinger. Who's like the grizzled vet? They both lost their wings. <laughs> We've been through it.
1: They have a lot in common, and they're not afraid to fight. They gotta beat or each to other love. up. You yeah. again?
0: <laughs> What's with these bees? Anyway, <laughs> I, I, it, this is this is like Flash Gordon for the new millennium. This thing, this I just thing don't know is what like. What to
1: make of this? It
0: is. Just out of its freaking mind. This it's movie. everywhere.
1: And again, maybe it's going to be a really big success as a comedy.
0: Oh, I think this could very well be the end of the Wachowskis' career. Oh. I think it could. You be know, the, I
1: loved The Matrix, it, but The Matrix is the only it, thing of theirs I've loved. What?
0: I mean, just go out in the street right now and attack the first person you see and tell and ask them. About the Wachowskis and ask if they've made anything good since The Matrix. Everyone knows they have not. You liked Speed Racer. <laughs> I, I admit I liked a few things about Speed Racer. I'm not gonna say I liked it, but I think there were some things about it that were admirable. It looked really good. Um, but I mean, everyone, everyone knows, everyone on the planet, except the people who produced and financed m- movies, know that they have not made a good film since The Matrix. That was that was years ago. I don't understand what's going on. I, I I credit them for letting their imaginations run crazy. I think that's great, but I just feel like this movie just enters like an insane realm of just complete detachment <laughs> from anything. Anyway, I as listeners, as if you can't tell, I think Jupiter Ascending is a bad date. I think it's the it's it's a it's a it's like a genuine Hollywood bomb. It really is.
1: To me, Jupiter Ascending I'm just Perplexed. I don't know what to say about this movie. Well, you do. I just don't yeah. even know what they were doing. I've no. It's like everything I hated about Cloud Atlas, along with well, everything I hated about the Star Wars movie with Jar Jar, along with right. everything. I've, I mean, it's just like so many things that are a problem, all just mashed into one movie. I cannot under recommend this state enough. Yeah, the opposite of recommend. Well, you yep. may
0: see, you may see it on the midnight circuit at some point. Who knows? Right, very possible. <laughs>
1: All right. Well, stay with us because when we come back, we have this week's sweatpants pick for the week, which we're both really excited about. Yep. And we have some movie therapy for somebody who's feeling a little bit of trapped in the house with her baby. So stay with us. This is Movie Date. I'm Kristen Meinzer.
0: And I'm Rafer Guzman.
1: And we want to remind you, please always visit us at our Facebook page, facebook.com slash podcast. You can see us in the green room getting ready to be on a TV show that we were on a couple days ago. Maybe I should put a link up to us on that TV show, huh? Sure. Yeah, you should. If I put a link up to that, listeners, warning we do work in radio, okay? That's our main <laughs> thing. I just want to point that out. Some, That's true. Sometimes we're on TV. We, we're on, you're on TV a lot more than I am, Rafer, but...
0: Uh, yeah, I, do, I, do, I, do a, I do a few things here and there, yeah, but, you know, Yeah,
1: you, you do some TV stuff, I'm not what but I'd call telegenic. I am not either.
0: I thought, I thought you looked pretty good. You were think dressed I'm better telepathic. I was,
1: too. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, different thing. Different thing.
0: <laughs> that is different. If That's... you're telepathic, Kristen, what segment of the podcast am I thinking about right now?
1: Does it involve a drawstring waist?
0: It certainly does. You're incredible.
1: You're wearing sweatpants. It's Monday. Am I the Queen of England? I don't know. Does the Queen of England only wear sweatpants? When you're a man, sometimes you wear stretchy pants in your room. All right. Sweatpants. When we talk about what you can watch if you don't want to leave the house this week. So, we have something we're kind of excited about. Now, this show dates back a couple of years in the U.K., but it's now on Netflix here in the US and Rafer and I are really into it.
0: It's called Black Mirror. It is a show about uh what would you call it? Sort of a techno paranoia horror anthology series. Standalone, yeah. standalone stories, not recurring characters, not one single uh dramatic throughline. Standalone stories like The Twilight Zone, like yeah. Outer Limits, things yeah. like that.
1: Each episode is just shy of an hour and what we're seeing are things that are so close to happening right now that have to do with technology, the way we live now, with media, with social media, with our smartphones, with how nanotechnology works, all these different aspects of technology and modern life, and how those things can be used in ways that might be miraculous or problematic and mostly scary.
0: Yes, and if you're wondering about the title of the show... It refers to all the screens that are now in our lives, all those little black mirrors that are on our smartphones, on our walls, in our pockets, everywhere, uh, which I think is a, a clever title because it's, got, oh, it's yeah. got, a, got a nice horror ring to it, Black Mirror.
1: Absolutely. Now, there are several episodes up, but we'll just give you an introduction to the very first episode in the series. For you just referenced the Twilight Zone, and it does feel a little Twilight zone Yes. If Twilight Zone was willing to and able to go to darker places than it did.
0: Even darker. (laughs) Had to go quite this far.
1: So the first episode called National Anthem. We have a prime minister who he and his wife are uh, respected members of society. And uh, we have them. And then we have somebody who's almost kind of like a Kate Middleton figure. The people's princess. Young. Beautiful. She looks like a model. She's abducted. The kidnapper says... You can have her back, but the only way you can, Prime Minister, is you have to, well, let's play a clip.
0: There is only one demand. At 4 p.m. this afternoon, Prime Minister Michael Callow must appear on live British television, on all networks, terrestrial and satellite. And,
1: no. <laughs> on all
0: British networks terrestrial satellite and have so on sexual intercourse
1: with a pig? <laughs> I don't understand. That's the people's princess being held hostage. And that video was released onto YouTube. Yes. And so millions of people around the world see that YouTube video and oh no, what's going <laughs> to happen there? You're going to... You're going to have sexual intercourse with a pig, Prime Minister.
0: Yes, it's a great premise. Um, I, I almost hate to even spoil it because uh, when you not spoil it. Well, I don't mean spoil anything else. I just mean when you're watching the when you're watching that episode cold, having no idea what's going on, and you get that you get that final little bit of information there about what the demand actually is. It really is just such a great moment because you've 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 been involved in what looks like a very uh, good standard tense you know kidnapped thriller plot, and then all of a sudden you're thrown this incredibly sordid and bizarre and a hilarious twist, and it, everything takes a very different tone, and yet this episode. Uh, somehow manages to keep both those tones going. Mm. It really managed to juggle the absurd and the satirical with the deadly serious and the personal.
1: Horrifying and sickening, too. Yes. Because it does at some point seem like a hilarious freak show. But then I have to say by the end, I was just feeling totally sick. And I think all the people on screen, including everybody in the entire nation who is watching what does or doesn't happen,
0: and one of the great things about uh, this episode and about uh, – I've seen this episode and I've seen one other one, um, which I'll mention really briefly. Um, but the other great thing about this particular episode is the way that it also uh, points the finger at you and implicates you mm-hmm. and makes you realize that, yes, you you in fact are out there in the great unwashed masses uh, flipping through this stuff on your Twitter feed and you know Googling the latest news uh, in this kind of – demonic, hungry, repulsive uh, appetite that you've got to watch someone else's humiliation, to watch somebody else mm-hmm. going down. Um, and it, it really, there's something about it that really drives this stuff home. Um, I just thought it was brilliant, uh, really well written, really, really well acted. Rory Kinnear, a great British actor, plays the prime minister. He's wonderful. Lindsay Duncan is in this movie, one of my favorites um, in this show, I should say. Um, I thought it was great. I mean, what did you think?
1: I also thought that as journalists, you and I are both journalists, how we play into this whole game too. If enough uh, attention on social media is being drawn to something that we normally wouldn't pay attention to, we suddenly have an obligation to cover it as journalists because it's part of the ether. And then we sometimes make it even worse by drawing more attention to the situation. And you see that happening in this kidnapping plot that if nobody had seen This YouTube video in the first place, if they had been able to contain it, this demand never would have been able to be made. Right. But because everybody is retweeting it and you see how the Twitter sphere and you see how social media keeps on causing there to be stumbling blocks in trying to get this princess back, it just gets worse and worse and worse, partly because of social media. We see somebody who's like the equivalent of a TMZ journalist in it also who uh yeah um and yeah. we we see a lot of different aspects of uh what can and cannot happen not just in real life but um what's happening right now i think in yep. a lot of parts of the world i think about what's happening with isis right now and yeah you know just to take it to the darkest place we're going to burn people to death and we're going to reveal yep. pictures we're going to do this and in a way, I'm kind of surprised this hasn't happened yet. Yes. Where it's gotten on this level, we're going to take somebody and start cutting off their body parts, a different body part every day, until you give us money, right? Or until we blow up this building, or you know, I'm kind of amazed this doesn't already happen.
0: Yeah. Um, the other, uh, the other good word I would put in for this show, uh, if you're going to watch it, is an episode called "The Entire History of You." which stars uh, Toby Kebbell, who's a great um, British actor. Uh, I first saw him in Rock and Rolla, the Guy Ritchie movie. Um, And God help me, I would actually recommend that movie to people. It's actually kind of good and funny. And Mark Strong, another great British actor, was in that film. Um, Toby Kebbell plays a guy, uh, again, it's sort of set in the very near future. Uh, He plays a guy who's living in a world where uh, everyone has gotten little memory implants in their heads. And uh, it basically records... Everything they see and do. And so whenever whenever people are having a little argument or bickering about something, they just rewind and they replay it uh, and they reexamine what's happened. Or if they're angry about something, they'll sit their friends down, put the TV on, rewind and show them what just happened to them and ask them, you know, look at that. Can you believe what just happened to me? Um, this particular episode is great. Uh, Toby Kevell suspects his wife of having an affair. And so there's a lot of interplay between these two who have these competing kind of memory chips lodged in their brains. And Toby Kevell is trying to do a little sleuthing work. And I mention it, A, because it's really well written. Uh, really convincing and um it 's also possibly going to be made into a movie by uh oh. Robert downey uh team downey picked it up he optioned the rights for it, so we may we might see some kind of feature length film come out of it oh. so i 'd recommend that one as well but i I think Black Mirror is a great a great sweatpants date i think oh, it 's yeah. wonderful
1: in fact, with most of the movies that are out this week, probably the best date
0: <laughs> probably <laughs> your best bet exactly. <laughs>
1: All right. We also have a listener who is in need right now, somebody who needs some movie therapy. What seems to be the trouble? Can I confess something? I'm just trying to tell you about my feelings.
0: He's been depressed.
1: Help! It's movie therapy time. Ra- Rafer, what is our letter that we're going to be addressing this week?
0: We got this request from Emmy, a new mother who gave birth to a daughter named Olive. But the, Olive was premature, almost two months premature. Uh, Mother and daughter uh, spent 77 days in the neonatal intensive care unit. Emmy writes to us, she is now home and doing very well. However, being a preemie, she is at higher risk for infection than most babies that are born full term. She must be kept at home as much as possible until flu and RSV season are over. That would be March. This means I will have a lot of time on my hand and need some good recommendations for films. Thank you. Signed, Emily. So, Kristen?
1: First of all, Emmy, thank you so much for writing to us. And she sent us pictures, too, of little olive, yes. tiny, little cute olive. And we're glad that you're home, and we're glad that in another month or two we'll be out of flu season, um, end of March. But that still means we have a couple more months of you being trapped in the house. Yep. And one thing Rafer and I were thinking about was at a time like this, when you're trapped in the house with your delicate baby, you might just need some reassurance that... Things are going to be fine. The kids are going to be all right, if you will, and that you're you're doing a great job, and we want you to be happy. So we're going to recommend a couple of movies where you're going to be reassured. Everything's going to be all right. Olive's going to be all right. My first recommendation is Meet Me in St. Louis. So happy. This is a great movie that'll get you smiling. It'll make you feel upbeat. It stars the great Judy Garland. She's a teenager who's falling in love with the boy next door. Uh, Margaret O'Brien, a little girl, elementary school aged, and she's just going through all the trials and tribulations and troublemaking of a little kid her age. And the family is going to be uprooted. Dad's been offered a job in New York. They have to leave St. Louis during the height of greatness. It's the center of the universe for a lot of people, gateway to the West, and they have to uproot their lives. And these are kids, a teenager and a six or seven-year-old trying to just be kids. And I just want to this is a spoiler. It's going to be all right. The kids are all right at the end of the movie. Everything's happy. The parents, the kids, everything works out. And it really will just make you smile. The costumes are great. The songs are great. I recommend this. Here's a club.
0: Meet me in St. Louis, Louis,
1: And I have one other movie that I want to recommend, Emmy, Uh, E.T. This is a movie where you are dealing with the height of the 1980s divorce epidemic, as it was called back then. Everyone's getting divorced. Uh, We have a mom with three kids. She's a single mom dealing with all the struggles of parenting, making ends meet, trying to normalize the life for the kids. And, of course, things get kind of thrown out of whack for Better and for worse. When ET, an extraterrestrial from outer space, shows up, here's a clip. Two times, mm. two times. Okay. okay, go ahead. Glover. Okay, here we go. Phone. Oh, yes, what a perfect day. Phone. Phone. No, no, not like the
0: new phone. Phone. ship. I think it came from outer space.
1: You want to call somebody? <laughs> Again, things seem rough. The kids are all just trying to be kids and go through their life uh, happily. They're facing some stumbling blocks, but in the end, they're all right. Those kids are all right. (laughs) (laughs)
0: All right. I've got two for you as well, Emmy. Um, My first is going to be The Bad News Bears, the original 1976. Don't get the remake. Please don't get the remake. The original (laughs) with Walter Matthau as Buttermaker. He's the coach of a bunch of complete losers, loudmouths. These kids are absolute wrecks. Uh, they can't play. They don't really like each other that much. They treat each other horribly. Buttermilk himself is not a great guy, alcoholic, bit of a drinker. Uh, but somehow he's going to whip these kids into shape. And the thing is, he does. And I think one of the great things this movie does is it shows you how resilient kids are. And it also shows you that I think sometimes... They don't really need the things that you think they need. They may not need coddling. They may need someone to yell at them, give them a dose of reality, a taste of the real world, and treat them like an equal. Uh, so, a lot of times, I think the things that we instinctively think kids need as parents, uh, kids have uh, kids know, kids know a little bit better what they need. Here's a clip.
1: Everybody, sit down. Come on, sit down.
0: Sit down What's the matter with you? Next time I tell you to do something, goddammit, you do it or else you're off this team. And the rest of you, what's the matter with you? All the season long, you've been laughed at, crapped on. Now you got a chance to spit it back in their faces, and what do you do? You're out there like a bunch of dead fish, not listening, bonehead plays, mistakes. Honey, I mean, don't you want to beat those bastards? One of my favorite movies, and really the first time as I, when I was a kid that I ever heard... Uh, kids actually talk that way Ooh, I mean, it was phenomenal Thinking, like, that's, what my, that's what my friends say oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I didn't think you could say that in the movies how'd they get those kids to say that um, anyway that's a great movie the other movie I'm going to recommend also from the 70s 79 is Kramer versus Kramer great movie obviously Dustin Hoffman Meryl Streep custody battle in between them is a little adorable kid It's mostly so cute, cute. and it's mostly told from Dustin Hoffman's point of view, but I think um, you see both sides of this film, and I think what you also see is that this kid does indeed have two loving parents, even though there's a lawsuit involved and things get bitter and ugly. Both parents love this kid, and there is a sense that if you've got enough love and everyone means well enough for this child, that child will probably be okay. Here's a clip. (sighs) Right, come on. Put that down. Eat your dinner. It's getting cold. What is this crap? It sounds salisbury steak. I hate it.
1: You do not hate it. You had it last week, and you loved
0: it. No, I didn't.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I hate the brown stuff. It's gross.
1: Okay. all that is onions and gravy. I'm no.
0: allergic to onions.
1: You are not allergic to onions. You had this last week. And remember, I told you it was my favorite when I was a little boy, and you said it's my favorite, too.
0: I did not. Yes, you did. And, of course, one of my favorite lessons, I think, in that, movie, uh, a lesson I try to remember to teach myself all the time is that uh, being a parent is being selfless. And that is the hardest thing, but I think also the most important thing about being a parent. That's a great movie. Um, you know, get your hankies out and watch Kramer versus Kramer.
1: Mm-hmm. And Emmy, uh, we hope that you make it happily through the rest of this cold and flu season yes. and through everything else that's bad out there right now, this whole measles epidemic, all the stuff. Just yes. be be happy, take care of yourself, take care of that beautiful new baby of yours, and know that Rafer and I are rooting for you here. And all the movie daters who are listening out there happy that you're home and uh, just wishing you happy thoughts with your new baby.
0: And now, Kristen, let's turn our attention to trivia.
1: Ooh, everyone's favorite part of the Movie Date podcast. So last week, in honor of race relations, we talked about the movie Black or white.
0: Mm-hmm, with Kevin Costner.
1: <laughs> and Octavia Spencer. And we were talking about race relations in the movies, and we played a clip of another movie where race factors heavily into the plot. Here is the clip that we played. you got to break it down a little bit better for me, Sarah, because I don't get it. When is it okay for us to be together? To be seen together? Why are you getting mad? I'm just trying to be honest. Nobody wants to see us together. We spend more time defending our relationship than actually having one. We asked you to identify what that movie is with black-white race relations and Got a ton of right answers, but we can only randomly pick one each week. Here it is. Hi, Kristen and Rafer. This is Jessica calling from Fort Lauderdale, Florida, calling to answer this week's trivia. It is actually one of my favorite
0: movies, Save the Last Dance, with Julia Stiles, Sean Patrick Thomas, and a very pre-scandal Terry Washington. It's a great movie, and it's really fun.
1: Love the podcast. Always listen. Thanks so much, guys. Bye-bye.
0: All right, Jessica.
1: Great work, Jessica. And reminder to listeners, you can always use that Facebook page of ours to give your right answers, or you can call us, 5717MOVIES. So, Rafer, what is this week's question?
0: Well, because we've been talking about Jupiter Ascending, which features Channing Tatum. I don't know if we mentioned, by the way, that Channing Tatum's character is named Kane Wise. Um, but he is, and I, I, I think we also forgot to mention that uh, that the term for his uh, half wolf, half human hybrid self is Lycanton. Not mm. lycanthrope, like lyconton. Like mm. So this made us think, well, it made us think all kinds of things. Yes, but it, did. but it made us think about other films in which you have a human-animal mashup. That's a common theme in movies. We chose a movie. We're going to play this clip. Keys, Louise. Scott? <sighs> Can I come in? Ah, uh, no, Dad. Ah, uh, no, I'm, uh, I'm doing something in here. You may be surprised. Whatever it is, son, you can tell
1: me. I'll understand. Oh! Oh! Oh, oh no! Dad. Oh, no, not this time.
0: Now come on, people. <laughs> you know what that movie is. If you know what that movie about a human animal hybrid is, give us a call. 5717movies. Seven, seven
1: and you can always message us at facebook.com slash podcast, and use both those methods to reach out for movie therapy or just to tell us how you're feeling. We will dance
0: for hoochie coochie. You will be my tootsie whoopsie if you will be.